1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Necessary Roughness. Thank you for joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. In Necessary Roughness, the Texas State University football team has been dismantled by the NCAA regulations, and virtually all of the players are ineligible. A hard-nosed coach is brought in to build a team from existing non-athletic students, while the dean continues his efforts to eliminate the program altogether. Screenplay by Rick Natkin and David Fuller, directed by Stan Dragotti, and released on September 27, 1991. Have you seen Necessary Roughness before? Yes, I have. So have I. Okay. Uh, I'm really interested to hear what you think, because this is the first time we've had to watch a movie separately for our podcast. We weren't in the same room while watching it. it, was, so it's, I know. So um, I, I didn't get to, like, you know, have this oh, peripheral vision of your reactions <laughs> or boredom or anything to, oh. to gauge some... <laughs> It was, I mean, it was fine. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And then I was just remembering all these people in it. Like Kathy Ireland. And and I was like, and then Sinbad. But yeah, I, I don't know. I knew about Sinbad. It was fine. I knew about Kathy Ireland because they were kind of like selling points. Yeah. I completely forgot that Jason Bateman was in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, I don't think I really knew who Jason Bateman was. Oh, I did. I knew who he was. Because of, like, I know, I didn't really, I knew who he was. I know he's, like, Justine Bateman's brother, but I knew her more than him, like, around this time. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, depending on what you watched. Um, around this time, he was in the middle of, like, or at the tail end of doing another sitcom. So he like, I know been... he did Teen Wolf 2, and Yeah, I that think was that... before this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's so... that's all I really knew of him. Yeah, he had done Teen Wolf 2. And he then had... I know he was in, like, Silver Spoons and stuff like that. Right, which I never watched. That was before yeah, my me, time. Yeah, me too. I just, I never, I know very little about Silver Spoons. All I know, it's, like, a rich kid, and he, Alfonso Ribeiro is also in it. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, all I know is there's, like, a train in their house or something yeah. like that. Like, that's all I know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, at this time he was like in the tail end of doing, uh, that sitcom that was originally called Valerie. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. it was Valerie Harper. And then she quit the show, uh, and then it became Valerie's family. Yeah. And then, okay. um, Sandy Duncan came in, um, somewhere in that stretch and then they changed it again to the Hogan family. So this is like at the tail end of the Hogan family, which was the end of the, the run of that. So. Uh, yeah. The weird thing was that. You don't see Jason Bateman until the later half of this movie. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he was there in tryouts. They made like a little mention of him saying, oh, that's Edison as in, you know, Edison Street as in Edison Library, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because like his, his father dad. owns pretty so, much yeah, when everything. when they were doing like the tryouts, he was mentioned in passing, but that's really about it. He had a couple like, he was present in the classrooms, but didn't have lines. Right. Like that. Not until 
maybe halfway in when all of a sudden when they're in that bar i guess right yeah every character gets like its moment or two and so yeah yeah that's like basically when he got his turn because it's a big cast it's a very big cast um and it's also a long movie because of the big cast and trying to fit everybody in and give them something to do i think they kind of overloaded it that was one of the the things that that works against it but yeah overall it was it was fine it was enjoyable um i think it's really hard to not think of major league the baseball movie when watching this yeah at least for me i don't know uh because like on the cover you have you know the ball with attitude coming out of you know <laughs> coming out of the stand like in the baseball mm. uh, movie of major league you have the baseball with like the mohawk and the sunglasses and the sneer and the necessary roughness you have the football with sunglasses and the horns and like a face and like a gold tooth and stuff so um i think yeah. they're definitely trying to go for that vibe and then i also i don't know if you've ever seen the movie wildcats no. with goldie hawn where no. she was the coach i think like i haven't seen that i i thought when when you said necessary roughness at the like last week I thought Necessary Roughness was Wildcats. Oh, okay. <laughs> Until I started watching, I was like, oh, this isn't the Goldie Hawn movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Scott Bakula Yes. Yeah, um, I, I don't know anything about Wildcats, really. I've never seen it. Um, but yeah, I think also in terms of like Major League, I think they're definitely gearing towards an R rating, and then they decided to scale it back to PG-13. You can tell yeah. there's like a couple times, sort of like Don't Tell Mom, the babysitter's that where there's like some very obvious overdubbing where they replace an F word with like, screw it, and, and like stuff like that. Um, but there are a couple F words and there are some naked male butts, but other than yes. that, they didn't go too crazy with things. Uh, which is a little weird for a college movie, but I guess they're, again, just trying to go for like mass appeal. Yeah, I mean, it's not raunchy, like, you know porkies or something like that i don't right. know yeah exactly which i'm i'm fine with because i don't yeah really sure. care yeah if it was raunchy or I don't know. yeah it doesn't need to be like sexually charged yeah and, I and honestly... i'm, I'm kind of glad it wasn't like the whole thing with kathy ireland i was like okay that's fine and then you know the one guy the samoan guy he's mm-hmm. like her protector sort of yeah exactly. i mean i like that <laughs> Yeah, I also like that he got a couple extra like moments and he got to see his character develop a little bit more than others, too. Because mm-hmm. he was... Spo- I mean, the setup of this movie is kind of weird because they set it up so that when um, Scott Bakula, he's like a 34-year-old guy? 34-year-old uh, farmer who never went to college, but one of the new coaches that's being brought in, played by Robert Loja, um, scouted him back in the day and convinces him to come back to college so you have like this older guy who's coming back into school and that's like part of the the drama and he's paired with uh manu mana um as his roommate Mm -hmm. and and like they make it seem like that's going to be like a plot point or like you know some sort of joke or i don't know yeah it doesn't it made it seem as if they were not going to get along. 
Maybe, yeah, or, or that, yeah, they they have to learn to live together or with each other, but like because he's never had a roommate because he's lived on this big farm and has, I don't know, right? And he's older and stuff like that, and and Manu Manu's like I always was taught to respect my elders, and he's like I'm not that elder, um, so. Mm. That, uh, but, like, that little scene of him, like, walking through the hall and finding his room is the only scene we see of the dorm. Yeah. The entire time, which that, is weird. I, I mean, this whole... The, I am confused by a lot of things in this movie. Yeah. And I was like, why did he have to live in a dorm? He's three... I know he is from a farm that was probably a smaller town that's, like, way yeah, far a, away from the college. Because he said he, like... But couldn't he, he like, get like a, a small... drive to find him yeah but couldn't he get like a small apartment i mean doesn't he get money from making money from the farming yeah theoretically he could have that's why i was like why is he staying in a dorm i mean i get it restrictions because like you know the whole idea was that they have to be super strict with who they let on the team because of these ncaa violations and they want to play it by the book and so if if like maybe one of the requirements is that they have to be on campus students living on the dorms in order for it to qualify yeah but they didn't say that in the movie so that was one of the few things yeah that confused me yeah there's some weird weird logic uh, i also was confused as to why there had to be two coaches honestly yeah and yeah that was yeah i was confused by that but it seemed as if um robert Lodge's character coach wally was like more of an assistant coach because when like hector alonzo or elizondo his character you know i mean we're going back and forth when he uh has like a heart attack you know he's like he's telling wally it's up to you now i think you can do mm-hmm. it like yeah, you, you have you have the ability to coach yeah the agreement was that yeah elizondo would be taking the offense and basically being like the lead and then um, he does the, Lojo Wally is the does defensive the defense, yeah. coordinator and, and what, i mean that's very common in real world football situations but just in terms of like movie logic and spending time developing character relationships there was a lot of time between elizondo and loja like their interplay mm-hmm. which wasn't that great it was very one note and very um bland uh, uh, those are basically synonyms but you know what i mean like um and drawn out where we could have been spending a lot more time with these students and like you know yeah getting more jokes rather than having plot progression by conversations between these two head coaches when it could have been consolidated into one and a lot of those things wouldn't have to exist in my opinion but yeah so the other thing that i think was interesting is that they had tryouts right so they had to like get everybody who wanted to possibly be on the team to try out for the team but the first tryouts they show are on a basketball court yeah i I was like how can they throw or show because they were showing the guys who are trying out to be quarterback how can they throw a ball like that in a basketball court right because what if they can throw farther than that? Yeah, yeah. And I, that's kind of like what was being you can't, shown. Like, tackle on the court. Yeah. Like, I, don't, that, I, don't know that, I was like, why is it inside? Why can't? Because they have their own football court or whatever. <laughs> I, 
yeah, field. I mean, they, yeah, they, they <laughs> That's sh- what I'm trying to say. Football yeah, they show, they show they the have football the field. court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have their own football field. That's what I was like, why are they doing tryouts and playing a game, like a yeah, like a practice game in the basketball court? The only thing I could possibly think of is that it was like too hot. But like the first time that they show them on the football field doing drills after that initial basketball thing, a lot of people are like wearing freaking blankets on the sidelines because they're it's cold. cold, yeah. But Even though it's all in Texas. It's in Texas, yeah. And then so this is supposed to be Texas, the beginning of the semester, so right. that's what, August? And the other thing that's really confusing about that is like right at the beginning, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. They have those, um, the dean played by Larry Miller, mm-hmm. um, he comes to the new coach and, and like basically says, hey, I just ran these people's grades. Here are some additional students who are not eligible for the team. Yeah, they have like, to be like A, straight A type students or something to like, play. School hasn't started yet, basically, because like one of the next scenes is the very first session of that um, Journalism 101 class. Mm-hmm. So, I don't. Is it is from their on? previous, <laughs> from the previous right. semester? Like they have to do. But what if they're freshmen and they want to be on this team? I, well, they must not be freshmen. I, guess, I don't know. <laughs> Unless he's going back and finding like old high schools, and they're like, why would? Yeah, I don't know because school, he so. he says only like he can only allow seventeen people or players on this team. Well, I mean the the way that they get these players on the team, I was already confused. Like, the way they got Sinbad. Yeah. I mean... Because, is he a teacher there? He's a teacher there. And then I was like, why but is he on the also, team all of a sudden? But he's also a PhD student. So, he could, he qualifies. He qualifies because he didn't use up all of his football eligibility years because he quit playing football to go for his studies. And he's still a student because he's going for his PhD. Yeah, he's teaching, but, but he's, he's also, also a student. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought, I'm like, these, like the way, I know. It's all roundabout. Right? Yeah, I know this isn't going to happen in real life. No. I also. Especially having Kathy Ireland added to the team just yeah. to kick. Yeah. I mean, I understand that concept, though. I And I think that that's probably um, something, I don't know, I didn't really look into female football players to see how that might have worked out or if it's like been done in, in the Playing in colleges, yeah, yeah, yeah. But college I think football. At least in high school, I'm sure that oh, has yeah. happened, and yeah. probably in college at some point. Um, but like a but, mixture of like men and women playing together, like would they yeah, just yeah. have female football players? No, that's what I mean. Like they, you know, a, a female kicker on a male team. Oh, I think has happened probably at oh, the college really? level See, I don't, since then. I, I don't know. Don't for know sure. anything about college football, so, so don't quote me on that. Right. <laughs> But I think it was really weird that she was basically introduced like an hour into this movie. Well, yeah, they kept on bringing in new like why? players while they were like actively in the actively yeah. yeah playing. It was like, oh, we're not doing well. We need this type of person, and then that's when like Robert Loja would just go scouting for these uh, like look at that because that's well, i mean he found sinbad on his own yeah and he, he was like hey him. here's my friend that was yeah. on the high school i guess they, they play football in high school right i'm assuming yeah i think against each other okay yes something like that i don't i don't fully remember um and then yeah they're like oh we need a kicker i'm like you've been playing for like 
seven games and you didn't right have, like, they've lost and then they have how many games left like yeah. two more or something yeah, I don't, I, the only reason I can think of as to why they would want to introduce that character so late um, is to not confuse or conflict with the love story that they develop between Scott Bakula's older character and the journalism teacher mm-hmm. um, who gets introduced like way early on before like you know yeah before they pretty much play when he game. starts school or even before because yeah he's what in the gym or something because she's playing yeah he's like walking through the gym after like one of the practices and he's like already hurting and like she's playing racquetball and they had the little meet cute where she hits the racquetball and it hits him in the head because for some reason there's like an open racquetball court which can hit people on the yeah upper i was like don't they have like yeah glass private rooms for racquetball because what if balls are flying yeah, up and down? Yeah, doesn't have all the time. to be fully enclosed, but whatever. whatever. <laughs> a lot of things are just plot convenience, right? Um, and for, you know, we're nitpicking. It was a lot the ca- it was to cause this mute cute. Yes, exactly. But if you get hit in the ball, like, cause he got re- hit really hard, I was like, this dude is gonna get a concussion <laughs> already. I don't prior know. to playing football. Yeah, I've been hit by racquetballs before. So right, I, I don't know. Know. It was like bad. really hard that it looked like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, she confuses him for uh, a teacher because of his age. He doesn't fully correct her. And then she sees him in his class and learns that, oh, you are a student and is mad at him and then isn't mad at him and blah, blah, blah. There... Okay, we're going to go back and forth, too. Their love story was really weird because the one point where he is at her house. Yeah. And, and she admits that like, she admits she had a crush. Yeah. And yet, like, but, pretending not to know him. Yeah, that's meeting. why I was like, if you were obsessed with him in high school, how come you didn't, like, when they first met, she was like, oh, you're so-and-so. Like, I remember you from high school. she was trying to, like, play it down, I guess. That's... Like, the only thing I could think of is that she was trying to, like, play it down or play it off. Like, you know, don't but, don't let the obsession creep through and, like, you know... I just... I thought that was, I don't know, like, like a don't weird... Don't scare him off by gushing about him. But she Maybe. she could not even say that when she hits him with the racquetball. She's like, oh, hey, Paul, I remember you from high right. school. She could have just said that, not, oh, I have a crush on you for, like, 20 years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Could've. She could have been like, oh, hey, didn't we... I mean, they were in rival high schools, I guess. Yes. She she could have yeah. been like, hey, didn't you play high school or high school football, like, whatever, 20 years ago? Yeah. Paul beat her ex-boyfriend, who was the quarterback in the championship game. Right. And so it ruined her that, relationship. And that caused he was, her to have a crush on with Paul in high school. Something like that. <laughs> and after she revealed that to him, they just like make out. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we're together now. Yeah, and then they're not. <laughs> and yeah, typical typical movie stuff happens, and then they're not, and then they are. Yeah. Um, but I I will say, despite all of that, I still think that this love story was handled a lot better than Talent for the Game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I understood their relationship to a degree. I didn't understand their motivations. I didn't understand their reactions at certain times. But, like, I got the dynamic between them. (laughs) Whereas in Talent for the Game, 
no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, again, sort of going backwards, like, I think that that's probably why they didn't introduce Cassie Ireland's character until, like, an hour in, because otherwise it just kind of makes no sense to, you know. Well, because do you think maybe they would be conflicts. some maybe weird, she was too yeah. busy with other stuff and could only be there for a certain amount of time. Well, do you think it would have been, like, a weird thing where they would have brought her in as, like, a weird love interest for Paul Blake, like, Scott's character? Yeah, I don't know if that's just what would have been the perception. It's like, oh, well, here's the only girl on the team, and here's our protagonist for yeah. the movie, so, of course, they have to get together type of a thing. That's, yeah, but I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah, for sure. And, like, you know, it's kind of interesting, again, to see, like, Manu Mana, like, have, like, his moment in that regard, and, you know, right. make it seem like, oh, maybe he has a chance, whatever, because he's, like, the protector and bodyguard right. of her and whatnot. So, but there wasn't, you know, a whole lot of conflict with her character anyway. No, she so. was just, she was, she was just there at the last half of the movie as well. Yeah. She's just there for a couple games. To kick. Uh-huh. And yeah, to mean, look pretty, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's it's definitely a good marketing ploy for them. It's like, you know, here's... It wasn't her very first feature film. Mm-hmm. That was Alien from L.A. in 1988. Okay. She played the Alien from L.A. I think I've seen that, yeah. I, I have that. not. Um, but yeah, you know, having like this supermodel be in your movie... Right, you know, the, like, to of bring gonna be, viewers. Yeah, that's going to be intriguing to see, you know, can she act? You know, will she be funny? The other thing I'll say that doesn't make sense in this movie is the Dean character, his mm-hmm. motivations. So, like, Larry Miller is like, okay, first off, the, like, the casting in this movie in general is just, like, really good. I think they found, like, yeah, the yeah. perfect people for the parts that they were playing. So, like, Larry Miller is, like, this perfect, like, schmoozy creepy guy who's also like you know just totally like a cartoon 80s villain villain yeah. bully right yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and, and uh i don't understand like okay another thing that just would never happen in real life is like you would not have a texas university try to get rid of their football team yeah. Because of all of the money that it brings in to the Yeah, school. he's trying to sabotage this team of his school. Yeah, so there's like these strict rules of you can only have these students. And on top of that, and on I was top lo- of having like yeah. a zero and whatever team being put on the field, he's trying to basically like sabotage them so they can't even play at all and get rid yeah, of the football Yeah, but wouldn't team. you want your football team to be good to like have more... I don't yes. know. The students come in and yes. then uh, like money and whatever. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I was like, why does he want his football team to suck or just sabotage them? It's just to have a villain, I guess. But it's weird that it was or someone just have from these like really the weird. Yeah, yeah. Like they could have, have easily the... had like... like he could have been the rival school's dean. Or, I don't know. Yeah, or like an NCAA rep. You know, like someone who is a representative or a legal person from NCAA coming in to check on the team, making sure they're not doing anything wrong. They could have done it that way instead of having him be associated with the school. But I don't know. It's very weird. And yeah, definitely something that would never happen in real life. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it, those are just like 
kind of nitpicky. Yeah, these are all our nitpicky things about this movie. Um, But yeah, in general, like, the movie's, like, decent. It has a couple good laughs in there. I think um, it starts to get going a little bit more once they actually start to play the games. Yeah. Like, that first game where you have, like, that dude who's just, like, barking the whole time. Right. Like, that was so stupid, but still funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, when the... Yeah, because when they do a touchdown or whatever, and then he's barking in, like, the other people's face while they're, like, face-planted into the ground. Yeah. It's just so stupid. I know. But, yeah, it gets, like, yeah, cartoony, and they have, like, that um, band of prisoners that are coming through, and Texas inmates to run a scrimmage with them completely mm-hmm. unnecessary scene except to bring in a whole bunch of like famous athletes in there did you recognize like any of those people from the inmate no loss? i mean when it comes to football i know zero even though i grew up with like a dad who was obsessed with football i i just like gave i don't care about football <laughs> like even though i have watched tv shows with football in them i yeah. just like i don't pay attention to the game like at all so yeah, it just or the people like unless if you're like I don't know, you have to be like super famous for me to really. Re- I know that because I looked at there the were trivia. A couple, there were a couple super famous people in that. Like I know them by name, but I would never know them by face. Right. I guess. But I think a lot of people watching it that day, especially if they're watching like a football movie, would recognize it. And I think a lot of the joke would just be seeing all those people. Right. In yeah. These, these situations. Football. Real football players playing against. Yeah. Actors, I guess. So, yeah, I want to run down the list real quick, if you don't okay. mind. Yeah. So, we got Dick Butkus, who's known as an actor as well as an older football player from, like, the 60s. Um, a couple of these people are going to be in other 1991 movies, so he'll be in Last Boy Scout as well. Mm-hmm. We got Earl Campbell. We got Roger Craig. Ben Davidson, who has been an actor for a long time, but also was in the NFL in the 60s. Um, Tony Dorsett. Evander Holyfield, which is weird because he's not... A football player he's a boxer he's the only boxer mixed in with these people don't know why he's in there ed two tall jones jim kelly who's in the 1991 movie last match um jerry rice herschel walker and randy white um all like at the top of their game like you know most of them were you know active in or around this period of time so they're like massive football player people um again except for Vander holyfield and he had a weird line where he said, um, leaving the field's like, oh, I think I swallowed a finger. Mm. <laughs> it made me think, okay, well, if this, if he would have said that, like, after... The ear know, thing? After the ear thing, the yeah. Mike Tyson thing, then it would have been, like, even Funny. crazier, but... Foreshadowing. Just, yeah, just, <laughs> just a coincidence. Yeah, it's, like, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, seeing, like, all those people come out of the bus would have been, like, a huge thing in the theater probably overall i think the football action was really good though yeah i will say that like it was this gave me friday night lights vibes so yeah it it was much more realistic than i ever would have expected there's some really hard hits you see like some blood which i'm sure is mostly fake um but like they're playing hard tackling hard on astroturf which makes it even harder because you know it's such a rough surface mm-hmm. um and you get yeah it, it's it's a crunchy movie and it was surprising to see like 
the variety of like the football action shots and like it's not like one note again like tail you know talent for the game where it's two angles and that's right. it yeah um or like yeah, you're actually, you're TV watching screen. football games it's yeah exactly like you're it's not yeah we can compare this to talent of the game where i don't know baseball was not even shown until the very last bit but yeah. this is like football throughout and it's like virtually shown like five from minutes filming a tv screen yeah you know so yeah and then this is yeah this is you get to see a good portion of plays yeah. mixed in with some plot and stuff. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was really nice to see all of that. Um, so, but yeah, it, the football action is sort of secondary, but at least they paid good attention to it. I think the biggest point is like they're trying to make this into a comedy. And so they have a whole bunch of characters in here. We talked a little bit about some of them. Um, I think Sinbad was awesome in his first scene. As right. A teacher, and I yeah, wish... I liked him as the teacher. I just wish we would have gotten more Sinbad in general. Like after that scene, like that's basically all we got. Yeah, to show him. Yeah, he shows like this really boring science video, and he was like, "I'm making you watch this because I watched this when I was like a freshman in right. college or whatever." And he makes it fun and exciting. He's like a right. Neil deGrasse Tyson type before he was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um. This is like one of his first movie roles too. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, around this time, he was doing virtually all stand up, right? Because I mean, he yeah, had before... been doing stand up for a long time. You know, since the eighties, he was on a different world for at this time. He also had two specials in nineteen ninety one. He had uh, Brain Damaged, and then also Sinbad and Friends, all the way live, almost, which was a mix of like stand up and also like sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he had uh, he had not as big enough of a role as I would have expected, especially with his name right. Right. Uh, Scott Bakula obviously like dominates the screen time, but so does Hector Elizondo and Robert Loja, which is a detriment because again they don't have great interplay between them, mm-hmm. and it's just like a lot of like oh I think we should put this guy here, oh I think we should do this, I think we should run this play. Right, and then Scott Bakula kind of does his own thing, and they get mad at him. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, but then, yeah, you got, like, a lot of, like, minor characters who have just individual quirks. Like, you have, like, the cowboy dude. You have the white samurai guy, Samurai yeah, Hansen, he... who does, like, karate kicks onto people as a defensive man. Mm-hmm. And then you, you have that... The one guy who is also, I forgot his name, he's like the backup, like the other quarterback. The backup quarterback, yeah, yeah. with the glasses. Yeah, he wears glasses on the field, and I'm like, what if he gets hit? Yeah. I was just freaking out because he was wearing glasses. Yeah, I forget what his while name playing. was, too. Um, I just know it know him i just i i know they said his name a few times but i always i just thought of him as the backup quarterback guy yeah i don't think i even wrote his name down like he was just uh like always scared all the time yeah he was like the scared like guy. he knew how to throw but then after that he didn't know how to do anything else mm-hmm. and then there was the other guy featherstone, featherstone who he was catch. he yeah he, he could run really well but he couldn't catch 
Yeah, he was... So it's like, you know, obviously at the end of this movie, all of these people do the things that they weren't supposed to or yeah. haven't been able to do. And you have like the... the like Featherstone can finally and, uh... catch... <laughs> Yeah, Featherstone finally catches. Yeah, because at the end of the movie, they they have lost every single game, except for one where they tied it. And that was really weird, too, because... Mm-hmm. Okay, they tied the game on Kathy Ireland's kick. It's 3-3 in the rainstorm. Yeah, that game was intense. And then it just ends. There's no overtime they, in they college end, football? They end on a tie. yeah. That I was confused. I don't know anything about football rules, but I was like, don't they need to like do something else to like get an extra point? I thought that it was like a sudden death thing. Like maybe not in college football. I don't but know. But like you'd think they'd at least play a little bit of overtime. But they don't do that in this movie. They just ignore their like, yay! Yeah, right, we tied and that's it. Yeah. So, uh, whatever. But yeah, I mean, that, that was good football action. Right. And then it was like, what the hell just happened here? <laughs> Why didn't this end in a tie? Um, so there is that tie game, and then the very last game they win uh, because Featherstone can is finally able to catch. catch. <laughs> and then uh, Charlie Banks, the guy who was actually on that original team um, of like people who you know. You yeah, know, he was kind of like a smaller he was guy. The leftover, yeah. We never played a minute on the field, mm-hmm. but he was the only one who did not get kicked off for improprieties. Um, so he's like this scrawny dude who can't do anything, but he has a lot of heart and he catches the two point conversion at the end, uh, to win the game. So yay. Right. Um, but yeah, they have so many people in this movie. They have like Mackenzie, the Australian guy who kind of has like an Italian accent. Yeah. Well. I didn't, he was confusing to me cause I was like, he doesn't really even have an Australian accent. You got the army guy, Sarge. Um, you have those two twins, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, there's just so many people and they all get like one or two jokes here and there, but like you could have cut down half of those and, and, you know, given them more time. And we even, we haven't even talked about the announcer, uh, played by right. Rob Schneider, Chuck yes. Niederman, um, who again, like honestly perfect casting for the time. Yeah. I mean, this is probably like, they probably... Because I, I was looking this up. Because he's doing that whole name thing. like yeah, He's like, like Fumbelina, fumbling down. You know, he's doing the, the making yep. copies bit. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is straight. He's like coming straight from SNL. And this is probably like his first, one of his first movie credits, I'm assuming. One of them. I mean, he had done like Surf Ninjas. Well, no, that might have been like so after actually. But yeah, it was like one of his first for sure. Um... But, I mean, yeah, if you're going to try to have an announcer add some comedic value, then, yeah, Rob Schneider in this role seems like a good sarcastic choice. Yeah. It just doesn't work out because I don't think he was... I don't know. He Again, he has, like, one or two good lines, and he does the bit that everyone wants him to do in the movie. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably waiting for that bit. But... I feel like a lot of it just wasn't, I don't know, he could have been let free and, like, improv more stuff or something. I don't know, it just didn't... I wanted more comedy out of him, and it seemed like it was just garbage lines that they wrote. I, I guess we can talk about Jason Bateman's character, 
who is Jarvis Edison. And I'm like, his father just owns everything in this town that they're in and obviously giving money to the school Mm-hmm. And, you know, probably paying because, you know, Jason Bateman's character doesn't really do homework or take tests or anything. Like, he... He said he paid a couple cheerleaders to do his homework for him. Right. But he's never really done any work. And his father pretty much pays to have him get, like, straight A's or something like that. Right. And then also pretty, like, makes the school make him be on the team because he's also, like, on the smaller side. And I don't really know what he did in in these games. They don't really show him, like, in these play modes. It's just, like... Yeah, I don't remember. He was, like, in the huddle or two, but I don't remember him making a play on the field. They don't show him. I haven't seen him. Like, yeah, what did he, he... He wasn't... He maybe got a first down at one point, like, running the ball. Yeah. I don't remember. But it was like his role in the movie was just to be like, oh, he's just like the rich kid and his father owns everything. Yeah, he's there to provide conflict because his dad is like trying to like give the team gifts and become like the booster, which got the other team in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the coaches come in and stop and like put take those jackets off and blah, blah, blah. And, right. And so there's a conflict between Jason Bateman and his dad in this movie saying you know don't do this to us like i don't like you whatever there's like a falling out and then scott bacula has to come in and be like the yeah he's like the peacemaker yeah i mean and then there's like a whole i know there's a whole thing with scott bacula's character paul like get you know just fighting with the coaches like we said and there's a point where Paul quits, quote, like, for, like, a day. I don't know. He quits because his girlfriend would not say that they have feelings for each other in front of the dean, even though that could have possibly disqualified him from being on the team or gotten her fired because of an improper student-teacher relationship thing. Yeah. But he was pissy about it because he didn't... And then he's like, okay, I can't. Why don't you just tell her? We're like, "Why why don't you just tell them how we feel about each other? And then she doesn't like within the two seconds and so he runs off and like quits and wants to go back to the farm and that's when jason bateman's like hey can i run away with you yeah jason bateman's like can i run away with you because i don't know how to take tests yeah yeah. but then but then it starts this whole other storyline of like all of the other teammates like tutoring him <laughs> to be a better student until yeah. like almost near the end of the movie when they all check their test scores yeah and he gets a c and, and they're like well you passed <laughs> so um and then there's a scene with the barroom brawl which we didn't really talk about with that flat top dude who yeah that's very... one of their insane Rival. jawline oh that yeah that guy had. um yeah like the they play him in the final game but yeah evidently they start some stuff and get into a big old brawl and almost get kicked off the team because of that except you know the sheriff the sheriff finds the out and then football, basically. yeah <laughs> they, they see that it's a bunch of fo- college football players and they're like oh well let's make it look like there wasn't a fight here right so they all they don't want to get the yeah they don't want to get arrested or like get 
dismissed from the team or anything. Yeah, it's honestly not about Scott Bakula's school. It's about the flat top guy's school because they're mm-hmm. like the number one team in the state. If they get in trouble and if he gets kicked off, then, then they, yeah, that's they when don't the have a football team. Yeah, in trouble and lose his job, and so the sheriff is like, "Yeah, nothing happened." And uh-huh. the dean comes to try to like catch him in the act. Yeah. So. To get his team in trouble. Right. So. Those are the key moments. Um, again, I think, yeah. They yeah, just, and, the, they you know, the more. dean also, after they get their test scores, and it seemed as oh, if yeah. it was only, it seemed as if it was only the test for the journalism class. Right. That was the only one that mattered. <laughs> that was like the only class that they took, because that's the only class that they showed them all in. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, the dean was going to regrade the journalism tests because of the improper relationship, couldn't be trusted to grade them fairly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was going to regrade them and then catch them in the act and make them ineligible for that last game. Which, again, why does it Why it, does it matter? He goes to, who is it, that the president, who's the older I think the it's the president. the president. Yeah, the guy played by Fred Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have the role. Like the university president. Yeah. He, and, he um, comes in just at the end scene and then also at the beginning to hire Coach Gennaro, played by Hector Elizondo, off of the Sports Center set. Yeah, and the dean was like, oh, I'm just telling you that I regraded these tests and i was you know very fair but and you know none of them did really well or whatever and then you know at this point this is like at the end of the movie and they won the game and you know yeah and then the president is just like you know pretty much like fuck you you're fired he gets run over he gets trampled by players tackled and he's like you're fired yeah so he hits his comeuppance so um everybody wins everyone's happy yep and then, you know, Paul Blake and the teacher are back together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's about it. And then the end credits happen. Yep, and we have a good song. Do you, did you find, uh, like, a we can put it on the website? Yeah, I found it on YouTube. Do you remember who it was? Who's, yeah, who's the song it? is called What Would We Do? And it's by this group called DSK. And it's the song is, like totally opposite of what this movie is it's, it's just like, like technotronic a, life. yeah it sounds like technotronic so imagine pump up the jam but right. you know maybe they're going for like that jock jams type of a feel I don't maybe know. but they don't the music that's throughout this entire film is not dance music no it's like almost all scored yeah and you know very traditional type of a scoring so I just thought it was funny that they played this song, but I like the song because yeah. it reminds me of like the ending credit song for Double Impact. Yeah, I, 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 I would say Double Impact is more memorable. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good one. We'll try to put that up on the website. But let's go through the cast again real quick, <laughs> as quick as we can, because there's a lot of them. Um, I'm going to start with Manu Mana, played by Peter... Navy Tuessa Sopo. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've tried my best. I expected him to be in more stuff because he's a good actor. Um, he had like a relatively meaty role for what this is his first film appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on to play E. Honda in the Street Fighter movie. Okay. And he was in ba- Basketball, 
Um, mm-hmm. But I was expecting him to be in, like, you know, Hobbs and Shaw, because they had, like, a lot of Samoan actors oh, in there. Oh, yeah. But he wasn't. He didn't oh. make it in. He's still actively acting. He just wasn't in that movie. He was in Fast and the Furious 1 as a Samoan guard. But and they didn't want to bring him back to no, be they bring everybody uh, the back Rock's in those family member. Yeah. Huh. Maybe in Fast 10 they'll bring him back and be like, hey, uh, you. Probably not. You know, you were really good guarding that thing. No. Uh, uh, whatever. Probably not. Uh, let's go backwards and talk about the director uh, and the writers here. Stan Dragati directed this. This was his last movie that he directed. Don't know exactly why. Um, he has recently, or he, he has since passed on, but, you know, not for quite a long time after this movie. Um, he's done Dirty Little Billy. That was his first one. He did Love at First Bite. Mr. Mom was his. Man with One Red Shoe. She's Out of Control. And he's also one of the co-creators of the I Love New York campaign from back in the day, which is interesting. Uh, so maybe he retired off of that money and decided not to deal with After Necessary anymore. Roughness. After Necessary Roughness, which he did a good job with, I think. Um, Rick Natkin did Night of the Juggler, Purple Hearts. He also did the 1991 movie Taking of Beverly Hills, along with David Fuller. And those two also wrote on several TV movies. Um, David Fuller's credits also list him as being a production assistant on Nickelodeon Guts, and also The Legend of the Hidden Temple. Hmm. But that's after a lot of these scripts were produced. So I seriously doubt he would go backwards and, and from being a screenwriter to being a production assistant on Nick Game Shows. So it's probably just somebody with the same name that gets attributed to him. But either way, if it is him, weird Hollywood history. Uh, Scott Bakula, I think most of us know him from some sort of TV appearance. He has five Emmy nominations, four of them for Quantum Leap. One of them is for Behind the Candelabra. He has a Golden Globe win for Quantum Leap. Um, he was actively doing that role at this time. That show lasted yeah. from 89 to 93. Uh, and then people also probably know him as... Uh, I forget his character name. On Star Trek Enterprise, which lasted the same number of episodes as Quantum Leap, which is weird. Um, hmm. And then... Uh, he also was on NCIS New Orleans um, for an even longer amount of time. He was also in Major League Back to the Minors, so he did both franchises. Mm. Not that this became a franchise. There was a 2011 TV series called Necessary Roughness that aired on USA Network. Yeah. Completely unrelated. Yeah. It's about like a therapist and, you know, some of her clients may be athletes, but it's nothing to do with this, so... Weird yeah, choice. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Weird choice of the day. Oh, <laughs> I also just saw... This is, I'm kind of like jumping around a little bit. I just saw my note here, which I ignored before. Like, the whole concept behind this movie would not exist now. So, like, the idea of, like, NCAA rules, like, making them ineligible because they took, like, gifts or money from boosters. Yeah. That is, like, basically sort of, like, out the window now. Because, like, as of, like, July 1st of 2021... There are new rules thanks to a Supreme Court ruling. Um, and I'll, like The long and short of it is that there's this thing called the NIL, which stands for Name, Image, and Likeness. Those things can be monetized by collegiate players, whereas before they could not. And so now college players can accept endorsements, gifts, brandings, all that kind of stuff with their name, image, and likeness. So this movie would not exist if it were about current day football. I forgot to mention that before. Back to the cast. 
Hector Elizondo, uh, Emmy win, four nominations for Chicago Hope. Um, he's going to be in a couple other 1991 movies, so I won't go into him too much. Uh, Robert Loja, he was Oscar nominated for Jagged Edge, Emmy nominated for Mancuso FBI, and also Malcolm in the Middle. I didn't know he was on that, but we probably most know him for Big, the boss in Big. Yes. The piano with Tom Hanks. I also know him as being in Lost Highway. He's kind of mm. the antagonist. Okay. In that movie. He's also in Scarface, Prizzy's Honor, uh, Independence Day, as well as the sequel. Um, he had a series in 1991 called Sunday Dinner at the same time. Uh, which had a few interesting cast members, but I don't know if anything more about it maybe we'll come across that some other time um harley jane kozak who played the love interest and the professor dr suzanne carter Mm -hmm. she's also in 1991 taking a beverly hills which was written by those two other gentlemen um and he's and she's also in all i want for christmas so we'll see her pretty soon i wonder if she's uh, it's been a while i wonder if she's the mom in that i don't remember what the uh i've never seen the movie so that'll be my first time seeing it, but I don't remember what her role was when I was looking through things on IMDb. I mean, we'll we'll watch it eventually. Yeah, so. uh-huh. I just I like her because I was like, oh, it's her. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, and then, she's a good actress. Because I, I, I was like, she just seemed like she was one of those eighties, nineties like ladies. It was just she was just kind of like how Penelope Ann Miller was in a lot of. Mm stuff in the 80s 90s so does she because i i know her from like when harry met sally and stuff like yeah, that yeah she was in when, when harry met and sally. parenthood parenthood arachnophobia um she's also in a bunch of episodes of santa barbara and guiding light and texas and night watch so a lot of tv stuff as well those first three are soap operas the last one is not um and she's also written five novels starting in 2004 uh larry miller we talked about he's going to be in three other movies in 1991 so we'll just uh say he's in la story suburban commando and frankenstein the college years so oh, he has okay. a fun little uh another school movie yeah uh, another college movie uh he was also in the 10 things i hate about you and also i didn't know there was a TV oh series. he was the dad wasn't he? he was the dad of julia styles yeah, yeah. and he also played that same character in the tv series which i did which not I never watched. yeah so um, Sinbad, we already talked about him. Jingle All the Way, First Kid, Good Burger, Coneheads. Uh, Rob Schneider, I think he's probably the most profitable of I all mean, these he's, people. Yeah, of all these people, he's movie wise. Yeah, <laughs> movie wise. Um, so yeah, three Emmy nominations for Rob Schneider, all as an SNL writer. He also has seven Razzie nominations and one win. For things like Deuce Bigelow, Hot Chick, The Animal. Uh, he's also been in Surf Ninjas, like we mentioned. Judge Dredd, Down Periscope. Um, Demolition Man, he has a small role in. Uh, and also, like, every Adam Sandler movie ever, right. practically. Um, but yeah, like, just based off of his breadth of work and how crazy those things do financially, he probably is the most successful financially movie-wise out of everybody on here. Jason Bateman we talked about a little bit. Um... All of his accolades come from Ozark, basically. He won an Emmy for directing an episode. Uh, Arrested Development people know him from as well, of course. Uh, as well as Dodgeball, Juno, Horrible Bosses, Zootopia. 
I, I found this interesting. Dwayne Davis, the guy who played Featherstone, he looked mm-hmm. very familiar to me. And we have seen him recently in the movie Nightmare on Elm Street 4. He played one of the jocks that got killed. I believe he got killed. Okay. So, uh, he's also credited in uh, Beetlejuice as very dumb football player. That's the name of his character. So I thought that was interesting as well. Oh, like, okay, in like the waiting room? I think so, yeah. That's, I think, yeah, I know. I, I, I'm remembering Beetlejuice. <laughs> so, a lot of these people who are in this movie were yeah. co- college football players or have yeah. been, do, you know, had other football roles. Like, Dwayne Davis was also in that movie, The Program, mm-hmm. which is about uh, college or high school football players. And it was, like, very controversial because they had that scene where they all, like, laid down on the highway, mm-hmm. the lines of the highway, to, like, prove their courage. And then that got that scene got removed from future airings and broadcasts because people copycatted it and died. So he was part of that movie, the program. He was also on a syndicated move, uh, TV show called Team Knight Rider, which I watched mm. a lot mm. more than I should have. <laughs> it was a really bad one. I don't think David Hasselhoff had anything to do with it, but it was like a reboot. Um, I want to mention. Marcus Giamatti, who played Sarge, we didn't really talk about his character. He's basically just like a hard ass, like yes sir, yes sir, yeah, yeah. type of guy. Um, I want to mention him just because he is the brother of uh, Paul Giamatti, of course, uh, but he's also the son of Bart Giamatti, who was the MLB commissioner. So there's a sports connection there. Um, mm. Bart Giamatti died in 1989 while he was actively working as the commissioner, um, and he was the one who banned Pete Rose permanently from uh, Major League Baseball. Mm. And thus, the Hall of Fame. So, uh, lastly, I think, I'll mention Kathy Ireland. Um, we already said about her debut film. She's also been in things like Loaded Weapon 1, Mr. Destiny, Once Upon a Christmas, and Twice Upon a Christmas. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but she has not acted in anything since 2002. Um, and that's probably because she is by far the most successful financially just in general person in this entire cast because she has a clothing home goods jewelry right yeah she's on like home shopping billion dollars yeah yes yeah her country's her her company's worth over a billion dollars she's like you know high up on the forbes list of like celebrity um business people and, and she's just probably way too busy in meetings and things like that to deal with petty roles unless she really really wants to find the time so good for her mm-hmm. uh and that's that we'll go out on go, we'll go out on the cast and crew on a high note there uh no awards to mention nothing at all couldn't even find an mtv movie award mention which is weird you think this yeah maybe would have like something but didn't no. have no sp- best sports movies or whatever like that no or like best cameo type of a thing where like some of these footballers might qualify right, yeah. yeah or in any sort of yeah like a cameo they didn't do like any cameo type thing they no. show they show the pig and duck hollywood but no one from necessary yeah. roughness yeah nothing nothing i could find rob schneider didn't have enough snl cred to, to be in an mtv crossover so whatever so with that said, we'll just move on to true crime and pop culture then. Yeah, this movie was released on September 27th, 1991, which was also the same day that The Fisher King was released. Okay. This one was 
much more successful. That's insane to me. But um, I, I mean, I get it. But <laughs> yeah. So this one, I mean, I mean, it doubled its budget. Like successful is, it made like twenty six million dollars off of a thirteen point five million budget, and it was like the number forty eight movie of the year. So I'm pretty sure that was more successful than Fisher King. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, you're you're the one that keeps the lists. Yeah. Of things. <laughs> I'm just assuming that it is more successful than Fisher King. Just because I mean, it's in the top I, I get it because it's a sports movie and, you know, people want to watch that. And then of all these, like, can't, like, all these people in the cast. Yeah. yeah. If I'm wrong, then you'll see it on the website. Yeah, we can, we can fact check ourselves. Yeah, there's afterwards. a list there, like, ranking all the movies by box office position of the yeah, ones yeah. That, we've, that we've watched. So you can find it there. But. Anyway, after, like, I'm not going to talk anything. I couldn't really find anything that was true crime or anything in the news for that week because we've all, I've pretty much talked about, there's a lot of movies that we've had recently that were released in September, like Freddy's Dead, and then most recently, Solo Con Tu Pareja. Hmm. So, like, a lot of the music that, was popular this week was pretty much popular around the same time as those other movies so i'm not even going to talk about music yeah okay so or pop or anything or any no, true no crime time, no music no music but i'm going to go to tv and then i'm also going to read like this article that i found in a tv guide that we have but i think when we talked about fisher king i only did like the TGI Friday lineup because the TV it's pretty much all we were doing for a while yeah so the other TV listings I found more and there's more TV shows that I've never well a few I've heard of and I forgot existed and then I'm just gonna bring up the other channels I guess or other networks yeah besides you know TGIF so on CBS there was a show called Princesses. Okay. Have you heard of this show? Doesn't sound familiar, no. So this was this only lasted a season and there were eight episodes that aired, three were unaired, so you know, it was canceled after eight. And it was a series that chronicled the lives of three female roommates in New York City, each with a different background background and upbringing and one of them well each of these ladies are kind of well known now um the first woman is played by julie haggard and she played haggerty she played uh tracy dillon an english teacher who just dumped her fiance after learning that he had been married twice and was still involved with one of his ex-wives okay so Julie Haggerty, you know, she's from the airplane movies. Sure. <laughs> and then and then the second woman is um played by Twiggy and I was like, "Whoa." Huh. She was in a TV show, I didn't know. I mean, the only, I mean, obviously I know Twiggy as being a model and then also being a judge on Next Top Model. I didn't know <laughs> she was like an actress or acted in anything. Yeah. But she played Princess Georgina de la Rue, who is a recently widowed English princess who arrives to the States to challenge her late husband's contested will. Okay. 
And then the third woman is played by Fran Drescher, who is... Uh, the character's name is Melissa Kirshner, and she plays Tracy, the other Julie Haggerty's friend, as an outspoken Jewish American who sold cosmetics at a department store. Okay. So it's just about three One women, princess. an actual princess, and then two friends. And then I was reading about the pilot episode, and it sounds as if the landlord so they i think it was uh the two friends tracy and melissa who are julie julie haggerty and fran drescher they signed a lease for this new a penthouse apartment in new york but then also this former princess georgie also signed for the same lease the landlord mixed it up and he was like oh well you're all on the lease so you all have to live here now okay that's how this starts yeah so it's just three yeah yeah. so it's these three women living in new york in this penthouse and going about their lives but it only lasted eight episodes and was canceled after that was a show called brooklyn bridge do you remember this i do remember hearing about that i think it won like the golden globe for best something or other that year but then it was like taken off the air like immediately (laughs) Yeah, like it, it only did not last well. Yeah, it only well. lasted two seasons. I remember this, but I never watched it. No, me either. It's what, like nineteen fifties Brooklyn. Yeah, it's about a Jewish American family living in Brooklyn in the fifties. Yeah, and it, I kind of want to watch it because I'm just curious because it did win a Golden Globe for best comedy, and it was nominated for an Emmy, an Emmy, for comedy in nineteen ninety two. And it has um, Marianne Ross. Do you know who she is? From Happy Days. Yes, she's the mom. So she's the mother in this. And then it has Amy Aquino, which I really like Amy Aquino. I don't know if you know. No. She's like a character actress. She she was in... Okay, I know she's in Moonstruck. She plays like the hairdresser of Cher's. I don't know okay. if you remember her. She was in Working Girl. She was the secretary to Tess at the very end of the movie. She has curly okay. hair. Okay. But I always, I know her in a lot of like random TV shows. She was in, I mean, she was in a lot of TV shows that I watched, like Felicity. Okay. <laughs> so I like Amy Aquino, and she was like an ER, and she's kind of like always like the sassy lady. All right. But she's in this. So on to Fox. Well, there was like a full hour of America's Most Wanted. But then after that was a show called The Ultimate Challenge. Do you know this? No. This Sounds is like, like... something that would be like a game show. Like, you know, like Nickelodeon Guts for Adults type of a thing, you know? It's like pre-Jackass because it's like a half hour show. It was very... It only lasted two and a half months. So it was just a, a show. It had four ho- like four different hosts. Like wild and crazy kids. Yeah, it it was just people doing daredevil stunt type stuff and adventures. Huh. And it was hosted. One of the hosts is Mike Adamley. I don't know if you know who he is. Not by name. He does like. I don't know if he still does it, but he did like WWE type oh, announcements and no, announcers and stuff. And he was a formal, former football player. I never 
mess with wrestling, so seen this. I'd watch that. Yeah, I would watch it. If it's on YouTube, maybe yeah, I'll see. Yeah, try to find some of these things. Uh, on NBC, you know, the first hour is just real life with Jane Pauley. After that was Expose, which I remember, like, these current events type shows and sure. stuff like that. After that was Dear John. And after Dear John was a show called Flesh and Blood. I feel like we've talked about that one already, and I do not remember it, even from talking about it. Before. I don't, maybe we have, but I don't, I looked up the premise of this show, and it's, like, wild to me. Okay. Because when I look at Flesh and Blood, I'm thinking vampires or something. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, some sort of the dark, yeah. It's, some sort of, like, a crime thriller. It's I don't... It's kind of not... Well, I guess... Like X-Files. It's like sitcom-y. It's not even X-Files-y. So it's a story of a Baltimore assistant DA named Rachel Brennan, played by the this actress named Lisa Dar. Uh-uh. Lisa Dar is in like a... She's like another person that is in like a million tv shows but like only playing like random roles in like one like one episode like she was in wing she was in a lot of shows in 1991 okay but she had the main role in this she was in murphy brown wings quantum leap okay. like all in 91 but she was only in like one episode she's an attractive driven young woman who had almost everything, including overwhelming political ambition and the talent to back it up. Her only major thing is that she lacked was her birth family. She like this entire show is about her trying to find because she found out she was adopted, so it's her trying to find like her biological parents and like family. Okay. But this lasted a season, and it was only twelve episodes, and four were unaired. Yeah, I still feel like like there's a small chance we talked about this before. <laughs> I like if, I don't I, remember because I was reading this. Like I was like, okay, like then. this premise is just like off the wall. <laughs> like hers, I mean, I, I don't okay. like it sounds boring. Yeah, it sounds boring to me. Like just her looking like she's a DA, fine, whatever. But then it's like also I know that's like all. There's so many legal and political whatever dramas throughout <laughs> the years. Yeah. And then this She's a trying to find with her a husband. She's a lawyer looking with for a, a family. Dog. This lawyer has a car that's broken. After Flesh and Blood was a show called Reasonable Doubts. Have you heard of this? It's another one I feel like we probably would have talked about before. <laughs> like maybe it's just because these titles are so generic. It's like I've like all these shows. I'm just like it blows my mind how all these the sh- like failed doubts. Things. It's always like a, an a DA or an ADA or whatever sort of like legal drama that so doesn't last. Is a doctor who doubts that she can do both, but maybe she can. Yeah. Reasonable doubt. <laughs> Is that the commercial? Yeah. <laughs> with that inflection too, like, uh. <laughs> like with the the announcers like doubting the premise of reasonable doubt. <laughs> so reasonable doubts. Is a police drama. Oh, damn it. <laughs> you well, got it wrong. 
Well, I mean, a here cop we. Who's also a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so it's primarily about the relationship between an assistant district attorney, uh huh, Tess Kaufman, played by Marley Matlin. Sounds familiar again now. She's a prosecutor who is very sensitive to the rights of the accused and also about a hard-charging gruff detective named Dickie Cobb, played by Mark <laughs> Harmon. <laughs> Dickie Cobb. <laughs> he's, he's Just call the show Dickie Cobb. I know. <laughs> who cares how much of he is? Uh, yeah, so... What, what, it lasted two name? seasons. Her name is Tess Kaufman, and he's Dickie Cobb. Cobb and Kaufman. Kaufman and Cobb. <laughs> That's a better name. Yeah. So let's see these two who work together, and it's <laughs> this premise sounds so dumb to me. <laughs> it's like the these two are assigned to work together because you know Marley Matlin. Matlin got messed up. You know, she's like a known actress that is deaf. Yeah. So uh, she always plays, you know, a character that is deaf. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her character in this is deaf. And the only person, like, in this, like, police force or whatever that knows sign language is Dickie Cobb. (laughs) So they have to be (laughs) partners. And they kind of hate each other, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. There there was that. (laughs) There was that show, Reasonable Doubts. I'm going to read this article for this TV guide. It starts September 28th, which is the day after this movie was released. But it's all about, you know, Saturday cartoons. So it's this article is about the 10 most promising new shows for kids. Okay. I'm not going to really go into it because some of the, I mean, these shows we know. Sure, <laughs> we know sure. now. Like, number one was the Where's Waldo Commer- or cartoon which is a good show it's a good one i don't think i've ever watched it it's it's fun it was on cbs but i don't it's like think decent I've ever... enough on its own and then like you know you had like little hidden character elements within the episodes mm-hmm. so like you know like pay attention and then at the end like did you find such and such mm-hmm. yeah okay after uh, the second one is hammer man so about MC Hammer. I don't that did even, not last. Yeah, that 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 one didn't. I I don't even know if I really watched it. It was just like no, it looked bad. Him fighting monsters, but like with but music. But the power of yeah, his music. And music. That was on ABC. Number three is the cartoon for Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, which I don't think I watched the cartoon because I was too obsessed with the actual game show. Yeah, the live action one. Yeah. The cartoon, yeah, I don't remember. The They've cartoon was just like nothing. It was just, you know, her going around the world. I remember there was like two kids chasing after her, but I, I feel like that was like several years after the live action. Mm. So I don't, I don't fully know. Maybe I'm wrong. But they've done a couple different Carmen Sandiego ones, including a newer one on Netflix from the past year or so. Yeah, I never watched it because I never cared. I don't know. It's not the original show, so I was like... "Mm." Yeah, it's not the game show. Yeah, it's not the game show. Game show show is probably going to be the best iteration of it all. Oh, yeah. After that, uh, number 
four is Darkwing Duck, which I used to watch and I liked. That was on ABC. Did you watch Darkwing Duck? Oh yeah, definitely uh. did. One of my one of my uh, film teachers um, was the basis of one of the characters in that show. Actually, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, one of the guys went to my college. Or wait before me, of course. But yeah. All right, number five is Land of the Lost. That was on ABC, which. That, you know, that's a live action yeah, adventure. That's, not, that's also I don't, like, was, that must be a reboot then, right? Yeah, it was a, from the, it was a remake of the 70s Land, Land of the Lost. But I don't think I watched this either. No. I don't really remember that. I didn't like the original. Yeah, so. I mean, I, and then I never really watched the movie. Yeah, no. I never watched anything Land of the Lost related. Yeah, didn't didn't appeal to me. So number six is Doug, which on Nickelodeon, which um, a few days ago or about a week ago was the 30th anniversary of Doug. So Doug is 30 years old this year. So one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, I love Doug. After that is this show called Space Cats, which I have never heard of, and it was on NBC. Did you watch Space Cats? I recall it. I don't think I ever watched watched it though so they made i I was reading the little blurb about this so they made um this because of you know alf (laughs) eating cats okay so they wanted to do like cats in space like that was the reason they made the show yeah that was like having given us cat chomping alien alf producer paul fusco makes an amends with a series about cats from outer space (laughs) Smarter than the average feline, these animatronic aliens have come to Earth in search of truth and cat food. After that was Tasmania on Fox, which I used to watch Tasmania, and, and I, I like. I never watched it because I think I think it's just on a time when I wasn't home, um, or I wasn't I just, awake early enough I like to watch the, it. I like the um, the intro song, the Come to Tasmania song. I've played the Game Boy game. Okay, it's fun. It's a good Game Boy game. And then, you know, number nine was What Would You Do on Nickelodeon that was, you know, hosted by Mark Summers from Double Dare, which I don't think I really watched. It was like... I watched it because it was on, but it wasn't that good. It's just like a live studio audience thing, and they try to do, like, random interactive bits. Yeah, just asking them, here's some of the things that... no standard format to the show. Here's some of the queries, I guess, you were asked. Um... What would you do if you're asked to take a picture with someone else's camera and the camera breaks? Or if a shoe salesman is helping you pick out a new pair of shoes and his toupee slips off. Uh-oh. <laughs> Those are like the some of the questions. And then and This show is like an hour long. Yeah, and then the running gag was that contestants were had like had to sit in a chair and like someone threw a pie at them. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, I don't remember exactly why. I don't yeah, know like, if it was because like they, mixed, they were debunked from something. I don't know. It, <laughs> like they yeah. didn't do whatever they were going to do. <laughs> I, I think there's like a mix between like like hidden camera segments and then like in-studio like games and like I remember the in-studio stuff. Like, yeah. And yeah, it was like trying to be everything all in one show and it just didn't really work, but... It lasted a long time. Right. I just remember, like, around this time, I really wanted to go to, to Nickelodeon Studios because I just wanted to be 
in the audience to see all this stuff. Yeah. That was like my dream. And it never... Never happened. It never came to life. No. <laughs> and that and the Bozo Shaw would have wanted to be in the uh, audience for Yeah, I would want to be in the audience for that too. I don't know if I wanted to play because then I would be like too nervous. Oh, I wanted to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, the last show we definitely talked about you mentioned was Writers in the Sky, which was on CBS. And this is the show that replaced, fi- replaced Pee Wee Herman's play, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah. So it's like singing cowboys and they have like little bits and like animation and like, you know, cartoons and stuff. It's like almost identical to Pee Wee in, in terms of format, just with more songs and cowboys instead of like a man child in a crazy room. Yeah, and this little blurb it says that it was it's these three cowboys. I guess they had their own show on the Nashville network. Oh, okay. And that and then it became, you know, then they became so famous, I guess, or well known that they had their own show on CBS. And it's three men by the name of Woody Paul, Ranger Doug, and Too Slim. Mm, sounds sort of familiar. I really? never, yeah, I, know, I don't think I've ever watched show. it. It really wasn't a bad show. It just wasn't Pee Wee. Right. I think that's why I never, I was like, this isn't Pee Wee. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, so on rankings and ratings, on your one to five star scale, where would you put necessary roughness? Uh, I mean, I'm going to give this movie a three. It was okay. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, I don't want to say, I mean, I liked everyone in this movie and then I appreciate how this movie went it was just you know all the little nitpicky things that we talked about yeah yeah I agree. like obviously this would never happen yeah <laughs> um on my zero to four star scale i'm gonna say it's a two and a half it's yeah like i said really good casting i wish there was more done with each of the characters i wish there were fewer of them to introduce and do something with so that more could have been done with the remaining people um and then yeah just some weird plot stuff that they could have gotten around somehow would have made it even better um but every movie is worth watching once would you watch this again yeah i would watch it again i w- yeah i would too i would watch major league over this mm. but I, I mean i think i would watch wildcats <laughs> uh, yeah i'm interested in wildcats let's watch i wildcats. just i remember why i remember really liking wildcats but i think i just really liked goldie hall movies when i was growing up there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> she made she made a lot of interesting movies. Mm-hmm. So, um, If you out there want to watch Necessary Roughness as of this recording in August 2021, it's available on Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus, Pluto TV, Digital Rental, VHS, DVD. Check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. It really does help us out a lot. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of 800-plus movies, along with show notes, TV guide images, and more. Next week, uh, this ends the uh, Back to School trilogy, so we're just going to do a couple random things until we get to Halloween. So we're going to watch What About Bob? That's available as a digital rental, VHS, or on DVD. We'll see you then. Thanks.